Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to be sitting in this chair, making a video, talking with you. I just feel like it has been forever. It is right now the middle of May in 2018, and most of you already know that it's been quite a year for me. Um, uh, in February, my dad passed away, and then on the way back from there, my daughter started complaining about a a hip pain and from there she went to the hospital she's had surgery it's just been quite something so um it has been an, a year uh, so far of the unexpected unexpected living i guess is what i should call it but now um as of yesterday uh brooklyn is back on her feet no more crutches no more wheelchair and basically from that moment on um, God put it on my heart to be able to start a new series, and I'm really, really excited. I hope that it's going to help you. It's just the stuff that's kind of been sinking into my brain over the past few weeks through this whole experience and just the things that God has been teaching me. So uh, the title of our series is Practice, Practice, Practice. You know, practice is something that your, that's something your violin teacher is going to tell you, of course. Your piano teacher, uh, your coach, whoever it is, they're going to tell you, you have to keep practicing, practice, practice, practice. And I was thinking about um, the concept of a musician practicing their instrument. You know, and for a musician, you practice your instrument every day. You just keep practicing all those scales and all those arpeggios and all that stuff. This is, you don't practice just because you have a performance coming up. You don't practice just for a concert that you have. You'll have a rehearsal for those kinds of things and maybe you'll gather together other people who are gonna be playing with you on that concert so that you can rehearse the music. But, it, but in addition to that, you have your your everyday practice. And I'm sure this is the same for athletes because I'm sure that they don't only practice with the team uh, during the season, but in off season, I'm sure there's plenty of things you do to stay in shape. So this is the same exact concept uh, for us spiritually. Every day we practice holiness. And you know, you've heard me say it before that um, Practice does not make perfect. That's the old saying is practice makes perfect, but it doesn't. It practice makes permanent. So whatever you're practicing, that is what's going to be permanently coming out. That's what's going to come into your brain. So if you practice a passage and you're, you're playing an F instead of a G, as was written, and you practice that, then you uh, are teaching yourself to play the wrong notes. So when you get on stage, you are going to play the wrong notes. And that is exactly how it is with us spiritually. Um, it's not uh, it's not as if just because you practiced it's all going to sound right it's whatever you practiced is going to come out so if we're practicing impatience every day if we're practicing ingratitude if we're practicing complaining if we're practicing um, focusing on the bad negativity whatever we practice whatever's going on in our mind over and over and over that's going to become permanent and that's kind of discouraging but it can be encouraging because if you practice holiness, that's going to be what starts to come out. That's going to be what happens when you're on stage. You know, whatever you see on stage, that's just a summation of whatever's been going on every single day. And that's what um, practicing holiness will do. And I think it, it, I was really, I think this came to my mind just because as I was going through these past few months, I feel like it's the practice of holiness that allowed me um, the sanity and the, the peace, actually, 
that carried me through this season. And I don't know if the season is over. I don't know. Um, I don't need to know. But I do know that the steadfast nature that I went through, that, that sort of presented itself, my steadfastness during this time, was shocking to me, I will say, because I am not, I've never been a steadfast person, and it's always been a goal of mine. I can remember from our first Simply Holy that, uh, series that I did uh, three years ago or whatever, that was what I learned coming out of that was that steadfast doesn't necessarily mean what I thought it meant. Um, which was, I guess, kind of stoic and unemotional, but yet it meant holding on to that that dragon, you know, you know, holding on as tight as you can to and flying through the air. I, I made a reference to Harry Potter and hanging on to the dragon while they're flying. And that's what it is to be steadfast with God, is that no matter where he's taking you, it may feel like crazy, but that you're just holding on to his neck and you're steadfast. And I think that just practicing holiness gave me this skill that I've never had before. So I wanted to do a series about practicing holiness. Now we are called to holiness. You know, I, I don't know why people say that we can't be holy. That, um, you know, that that's the whole point. It says that we, we, we were called to be holy. You know, and Peter reminds us that that it was written, that our master said, be holy as I am holy. Um, he also reminds us later that we were called to be a holy priesthood. Um, the Hebrew writer warns us that actually without holiness, no one will see God, which is really kind of quite scary. Um, but he also reminds us that um, discipline is actually given to us so that we may be able to share in his holiness in Hebrews 12. So this concept of practicing holiness, you know, becoming holy, that is what we're called to. And we, we are practicing that. The hard thing is you read those scriptures and you're like, I do want to be holy. I just don't know how. You know, how do I do this? And so I'm hoping that through uh, the things that have helped me, some very practical things about how to practice holiness. That's what I want to, that's what I really want to camp out on for this whole series. So we're going to just start slow with three basic concepts today. And um, I sort of narrowed it down. It's such a broad topic, and I always try to talk about too much, but I tried to just go through three basic concepts today. And um, number one, they're, they're always enough forever. Always enough forever. So point number one is that always. And I think before you can start practicing anything, before you... you uh, can even start doing anything practical, you have to change your mind and get your mind aligned with the fact that God is always good. He is always good. He is always working for the good. You know, we look around at all the terrible things that are happening in our society, and we look around at maybe the things that we're struggling with, and we we need to have the mindset that says, what is God doing there? Because we know that we know that we know God is good. Everything he has created is good, and he is good. From the very beginning, you look at Genesis 1, as he's creating the world, he's looking around at everything that he's created, and after every single thing he's created, he says, and it was good. God is good. It, you know, when, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, uh, or no, maybe it's the rich young ruler, you know, someone comes to Jesus. I can't remember the story exactly, but they, you know, they call him good. <laughs> and Jesus says, why you call me good? No one's good but God alone. And 
wow, you know when Jesus is saying that, you're like, whoa, okay, God is good. And we have to have this fundamentally in our nature, in our mindset, that everything that was created by God from the very beginning has been good, and that anything that we see on this planet in ourselves or in other people is because of the fall. That if life under the submission of God is always good, and if we bring every single thing in our life back to submission under God, it will be good. That will inform our actions. This has to be our thinking. We must look around at everything that's going wrong and look at it as, an ult as ultimately uh, a result of the fall. Every single societal problem, inequity, Starvation, abortion, slavery, discrimination, pollution, corruption, obesity, poverty, rape, incest. All of it comes from the fall. And all of it is fixable by Jesus Christ. All of it is fixable by going back to our Creator. And aligning and realigning ourselves with His creation. That very nature in, in which we were created. You know, I talk a lot about going back to original design. And we have to have this belief system that if we are confused about something, we need to go back to original design. This can go to our sexuality, the way that we feel like that we were made. Well, let's go back to original design. What was, what was our sexuality even created for? And when we realign it, even those things that we, uh, we, we feel like we're crazy, sometimes we can feel crazy, but if we'll take it back to the original design, God will answer that question for us. Um, the question of submission, for, for, for a lot of us, because of the way that we're raised in our culture, we see submission as a bad thing, but actually God sees it as a beautiful and good thing because everybody needs to submit to God. And once we do submit to God, and whatever authority he has placed in our life, then actually there's so much freedom. So something that we can inherently feel like, no, this doesn't feel right, I don't like it. If we go back to that original design, go look how happy they were in the garden when they were submitted to God. And if I will submit in any situation in my life, I will feel that. It is amazing what happens when you just go, I'm just going to submit to the authority that's in my life and feel great about it because actually there's so much freedom there. When we take our sexuality and we submit it back to God, we go, I cannot believe what he's doing with that. When we live outside of God's boundaries and are in sexual immorality and all of that, it creates all these problems and all this havoc. Half the sins I listed on there were from sexual immorality. And you, but you get rid of that and you get back under the submission of God. You go, oh my goodness, life is good. God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an amazing thing. He is always good. Okay, so how do we practice this? How do we take this mindset and practice it? I think one, one very easy way to practice holiness in this area is just to, whenever you see something troubling in your life or in the world, let's start with the world, when you see something troubling around you, you always teach, teach yourself to say, I wonder what God is doing there. We can see very sad things, very sad things that are going on. But instead of becoming despondent, we need to go to, I wonder what God is doing there. Maybe he's going to use me in some way to cause good to come out of this because we know that the Lord works for the good of those who love him and, and, and called according to his purpose. That's us. 
We're called according to his purpose and we love him so we can help to work out the good in those situations. Or perhaps it's something that's troubling you in your own mind, in your own heart. What is the problem? Is it a kid that you can't figure out what's going on there? Is it a stronghold in your life that you can't figure out how to overcome? Maybe it's just a dilemma, a scheduling problem that seems, you know, we think that's small, but it's not small. <laughs> a relationship problem. Whatever it is, we need to practice going, God, I know you have the answer. And I know that if I will submit myself to you in your original design for me, that it will be for the good and it will feel better than whatever I could come up with myself. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is called enough. Always, and then number two is enough. If you turn over to 1 Timothy 4, I want to read this passage, verses 1 through 5. It says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Hello, wake up everyone. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Now think about what he's saying here. He's basically saying, be careful, because later on there's going to be some people teaching some stuff, and it's really demons teaching through them is what it is. And you think, oh, it's demons. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. Oh, it's so scary. And they're going to be teaching things, you know, murder your parents or, you know, uh, forcing people to have sex when they don't want to or something terrible and demonic and ugly. Oh, no, what are they teaching? Those demons are saying you should abstain from marriage. You should not eat these foods. And it's interesting because those particular things seem to have a form of godliness. Later on in Colossians, it talks, and I don't want to go there now, but it talks about having a, it's sort of like, it sounds really spiritual, but really it doesn't do anything to restrain, restrain sensual indulgence. You know, there's these, and it talks about those things being very harsh treatments of the body. You know, these things are very harsh. Here we see that they're telling people you can't marry, don't marry, where Right when God created the very first two people on the planet, he instituted marriage. It's clearly something he sees as good. In fact, he said it was very good. He wanted us to be able to find that companionship here. He loves us. He wants us to have this great life. These foods he gave us that he made clean, by the way, all foods he made clean by the time it got to Peter, right? He wanted us to enjoy these foods. He didn't put food here on the planet to torture us. He put it here for our enjoyment. Everything is good. He made all things clean. He made them good for us. You know, this is a big deal. These people that were leading them were actually spiritual. 
They were claiming to be spiritual and they're forbidding this, forbid that, forbid this. We can get into making all these rules and rules and rules and, and, and these food rules and these lifestyle rules. I'm wondering, here's a question for you. Are you adding to God's laws? Is there some harsh treatment of your body that you have imposed on yourself? Or is there some sort of spiritual punishment ritual that you have for yourself? Do you have a punishment ritual? This is a, you need to quit practicing these things. You start practicing what I covered in, in always. You need to quit practicing these things. You know, you have to think about, uh, you know, there's a lot of things in my life as I've learned to practice holiness that to some, if, you, if I just said what they were, they would appear as a harsh treatment of the body. I rise very early in the morning. I let God wake me up in the middle of the night. Um, I don't eat a lot. I really restrain my eating. I fast quite a bit. I um, I don't drink alcohol. I don't uh, I don't play games a lot on my phone. I don't I don't do social media. I don't sit around and want. <laughs> I really limit my time on social media. Um, all of these things could appear to some as a a very harsh regiment. But actually, to tell you the truth, all those things, God led me to all those things. And those things all feel like freedom to me. Honestly, it feels like freedom. I didn't, I, it wasn't a whip over my back telling me, you got to get up. And two o'clock is your prayer regimen and four o'clock you got to do this. And blah, blah, blah. It's not that. It's that God led me one by one to a spiritual practice, a practice of holiness, and as he's led me to each one of those things, they're very personal to me. This is not something I'm going to impose on you. You have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to do this at this time, and you have to put it in your schedule. And you know, no, no, no. God is going to lead you to your own schedule. It's not a harsh treatment of the body. And how do I know that it is God leading me there? Because it has led to good fruit in my life. You know, over there in Colossians 2, in verses 16 through about, I can't remember how far it goes. You can read it on your own. But it says that these things have um, a form, a sort of a form of spirituality and godliness. But they do nothing to restrain sensual indulgence. So when you are doing something, it's, I, I call it, when you're doing something, trying to impose something on yourself from the outside in. I can always tell, uh, I'm like this, I'm an outside in person, and uh, I, that's my nature. Um, we talk about it in CR a lot about someone taking the geographical cure over and over. You know, they, they, they feel like everything, this isn't going right, and they don't feel good about themselves, and they can't seem to get it right spiritually, and they can't see that, and so they move. Because this new place that they're going to live, they're going to, they're going to, it's going to, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. It's a geographical cure. But lo and behold, once they get there, they realize that there they are. <laughs> the thing they brought with them was them. And that was the thing that was torturing them to begin with. It wasn't where they were living. It wasn't the place they were living in. It was from the inside out. I can always tell also people res always restricting. Well, now I'm not, I'm not going to eat this and I'm not going to eat that. I'm, gonna, I'm never going to eat this again. I'm not going to eat that. It's been, it's an outside in approach and it always keeps changing for people. It keeps changing. But when we have an inside out approach where we practice holiness, it produces good fruit in our lives and it does restrain sensual indulgence. The other way 
you know, when it's constantly at this diet and that diet or whatever it is, it's always that harsh treatment of the body. What do you need to stop practicing today? Have you, have you loaded up your schedule and your lifestyle with an, a, a taskmaster, an incessant workout or an incessant um, ritual? Get rid of it today. Stop practicing that. And number three, forever. Turn over to um, 1 Corinthians 18. 1 Corinthians 18. Oh, let's see. In 1 Corinthians 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Oh dear, do you feel frustrated? Oh, uh, Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God... I'm sorry, I have to read that again. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Um, I'm going to keep reading here for a second. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one could boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came in weakness and fear with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. You know, this last thing here, uh, I said it's forever. He starts off by saying, you know, God, uh, let's just read it, uh, in 118, he quotes Isaiah. So this is an ancient scripture. 
I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. You know, God has always been and will always be the, uh, the wisdom that we will never reach. We will never reach. <laughs> he is more intelligent. He has all the answers. He has everything. He is perfect. He is a perfect creator. He is all-knowing and powerful in every single thing, and He has the answers for all of our problems. We, can, we need to stop looking so much horizontally for the answers to our problems and start just reaching right up, going straight up to God for the answers. God always has the answers, and He may lead you to a book to read. He may lead you to a speaker to listen to. He may lead you to something, but it's not because you went looking for it this way. You go up to God and he will send you to who or whatever writing or whatever he wants. And lots of times, actually, as you are practicing this part of holiness, which is knowing, God, you are enough. For You will always have been, yesterday, today, and forever. You always will be. And I know you hold all the answers for me. The more we practice doing that, the more he will just directly answer you, to be quite honest. You know, this year for me, I'm having this experience because it's my year of Jubilee. I'm so excited. I'm turning 50 at the end of this month, and I just feel so fired up about it. I was thinking um, about how significant that 50-year mark is, that, you know, that was the year of Jubilee for Israel, for Israel and it's going to be the year of Jubilee for me. And uh, so this, this month, I've really been doing a lot of reflecting, and um, I've been fasting a lot and praying and really narrowing down my thoughts and my questions for God, thinking, how do you want me to spend the second, the second half of this century, really? And uh, who knows, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I, if, if I make it to May 30th, that means I will have been alive for 50 years here on this planet. And how does God want me to live after that? And I've been asking God these same three questions, and, you know, um, everybody has their own questions. But as I've been doing that, it has been remarkable. I feel like he's just been answering. As I've been saying, I don't care about, I don't care about eating. And so I, you know, fasting a lot, or I don't care about my own schedule, or I don't, whatever happens, I don't, I don't care what happens. What I care about are, are, are these questions, God. And as he's, as I've been doing that, he's just been giving me things. It's been bizarre the way he has worked some things out of my life that things that have been troubling me for, for honestly, quite honestly, years. <laughs> some things I'm getting answers to that I've been praying about since October. And, and some things I've been praying about for a decade. You know, God wants to answer that. He doesn't want you to be frustrated. He just wants you to get out of trying to figure out the things for yourself. The, the, the wisdom of the wise, I, he, he's going to frustrate it. You know, I think it's a sign for us whenever we're feeling ultra frustrated. Well, is it because you're really just searching for answers from your own head? Or if you're looking at all the stuff that the world produces? Because if you do, you're going to really find a problem with that because all these experts on this earth, they can't agree. They tell you not to do this, and then the next minute, you know, two years later, saying, oh, actually, we're wrong. You should be doing that. <laughs> Don't eat this. Oh, no, actually, it's really good for you. You know, you're going to really find yourself frustrated if you're looking for the answers straight, straight from this world. And then the, the last thing that I will say about this is that, you know, he talks in the second paragraph here about how, about how brothers, not, not many of you were much when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise, even by human standards, when you were called. You were not intellectual. God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And for some of us, we, we're like, yeah, because, you know, we're like, that. you never claimed to be wise or you never claimed to think you knew what was going on. But for some of us, we really did think that we were wise. And when we read that, we think, well, that's kind of insulting. But, you know, this is so powerful because if we look back at who Paul was, he was considered wise by the standard of the world. He did have a lot going on. He was, he was a respected intellectual of his time. And he says, but when I came to you, I didn't use all that stuff. In fact, in, in Philippians, he says, I, I consider it all rubbish now. But I didn't use all my eloquence. I didn't use all my rhetoric. I didn't use all that. I preached Christ crucified, which is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, he, he said, there is nothing righteous about me outside of Jesus Christ. And this practice of holiness, as we become more holy and we learn how to walk in holiness, it's not a ladder up. It's not going up rungs of a ladder. We're like, okay, oh, now I got it. It's a step up. Oh, now I got this. Okay, now I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Rather, it's a descending motion. It's going down a ladder. Descending to the humility with which we should have had from the beginning. Because if you will trace back every single problem in your life, I guarantee it will lead straight back to your pride. <laughs> You know, every problem I have in my life, I can trace it all. I can trace every single one back to my pride, thinking I knew. And you should try that practice in your life, thinking about it. We trace it all the way back to our pride. You know, every time we practice humility, when we look in any situation that we are in our life, and this is how we practice this, whatever situation you are faced with, whatever horrible thing is happening, if you will look for the humble response to that situation, you will find yourself more holy at the end of it. We practice humility and we keep going down that ladder, coming back to our original design, aligning ourselves with how we were created to begin with, which was supposed to be an obedient and submissive child to God. That's what made Adam and Eve happy in the garden, was their complete submission and reverence to God. They weren't trying to be God. When we try to be God, it makes our life miserable. When we just live happy lives in submission to Him, it restores our happiness and our peace. You know, it's just like a child who has taken over the home. You know, when you see a child who is basically in charge of the household, when you see a child that is up above the parent, they are miserable because they instinctively know, I have too much power here. I can control my parents. They are not comfortable with it because they know it's the wrong order. And they will act out. They will be mean. They will be surly. They will be disrespectful. And they are just not happy children. But when that parent will realign the, the authority and when they will accept authority, there's nothing, there is nothing more frustrating than living under an authority that will not accept its authority. But when that authority will accept it and say, no, I'm in charge here, and this is the way it's going to be in this house, and this is the way it's going to be, <laughs> then that child will actually feel more secure. They sort of, you know, uh, just get happy. 
because it's it's so freeing and, and amazing to live under submission. It's a beautiful thing. You just submit and go, wow, oh, I feel great about that <laughs> because you no longer are in charge. And that's exactly the way it is with us. When we will go down that ladder and realign ourselves with, I'm just supposed to be a child of God. I don't have anything. Anything I have that's righteous, it's only because God is doing it through me. It's not because I found something. You know, sometimes you can get you can burden your own self thinking that you have to have the answers. Have to have the answers for yourself. You've got to have the answers for everybody else. No, you don't. God already got the answers. All you have to do is align yourself with those answers. So, in summary, I'll just say, practicing holiness. We need to practice, practice, practice. And when we practice on a daily basis, practice holiness, when those hard times come or those challenges come or it's time to go on stage, so to speak, it's time to show up for God, we'll be able to do that. We need to remember that He is always good and practice saying, God, what are you doing here? What would it look like if I submitted this problem to you? We need to stop practicing more than what is written in the scriptures and quit imposing harsh penalties and harsh lifestyles on ourselves. And look at the things that God leads us to as gifts. Each thing is a gift if we get to practice it. And then we need to remember that we practice holiness by Practicing finding the, hum the humble response to any and every situation in our life. Returning ourselves to a humble position saying, Jesus is Lord. God is something. I am nothing. I'm not going to, there's no pressure on me to be wise. God is my wisdom. And I hope this helps you. Until next time.